It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. I bring stuff to the table maybe a lot of other folks don't, and I'm proud of it. And, and sometimes it's like, oh, wow, I got so much on this, I need to move something else. Like Hillary Clinton this weekend uh, in an interview. Talking about uh, if Donald Trump won in 2024, it would be the end of democracy. You know, this woman is such an, an awful, wretched, miserable, pathetic, unhappy, dour, despicable. I think, dang, oh, despicable. Yeah, yeah, that's what she is. If I were a betting person right now, I say Trump is going to run again. I mean, well, no kidding. He seems to be setting himself up to do that. And if he's not held accountable, then he gets to do it again. I think that. Could- well, wait, 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 wait. Nobody held you account for the uh, Uranium One deal and the $150 million donated to your stupid foundation that nobody knows that what the money is used for. And nobody has ever held you accountable for the Russian dossier you paid for and the email server. The end of our democracy, not to be too, you know, pointed about it, but I want people to understand that... We, we don't have a democracy. We have a representative republic. This is a make-or-break point. If he were, or someone of his ilk, were once again to be elected president and if especially he had a congress that would do his bidding you will not recognize our country um i hate to tell you this there sunshine i don't recognize it now compared to last year compared to 20 years ago i don't recognize the bloody country now and it's because the left in this country. It's because of miserable, awful people like you. So given everything you've just described, do you ever have moments of responsibility mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. guilt mm-hmm. Oh, about sure. what's happened? Yep. What about for all of the things that you've done? No? Of course, because I, I tried to warn people. I tried to make the case that uh, this was really dangerous. The people he was allied with, what they were saying, what he might do. And I do think, but for... What did he do? He made the economy awesome. He brought the uh, unemployment rate for African Americans to a historic low. Same goes with number of women in the workforce, cutting regulation, unleashing our energy independence. What did you ever do? Other than enriching yourself, name one piece of stinking legislation she did as a senator. Did she do anything as a senator? Jim Comey and the stunt he pulled 10 days before the election, I would have won. I feel terrible about... Oh, boo frickity who you got your ass kicked. Not stopping him and the people around him. And I might say that's quite a substantial... Never mind. Him, but I, I feel like now everybody can see for themselves what kind of leader he is. Yeah, he's great. Absolutely. I don't think that there were any uh, giant motorcades and uh, boat flotillas for you, uh, Hillary. Here's a little bit more of Hillary Clinton, this uh, just terribly dour, unhappy person. Despite what I see as the real dangers to our country, they turned out and voted for him. And he's trying... They, that's you and me, we're deplorable. (laughs) Trying to get it set up so that will happen again for him even if he loses, as he did twice, the popular vote. So what do you see as the state of the Democratic Party right now? I think that it, it is um, a time for uh, some you know, careful thinking about what wins elections and not just in... Okay, so her only focus is on what wins election, not the dramatic lurch leftward of the Democrat Party. This woman, I swear to God, I swear to God, 
Oh. And deep blue districts. She's a movie villain. Where a Democrat and a liberal Democrat or so-called progressive Democrat is going to win. I understand why people want to argue for their priorities. That's what they believe they were elected to do. So, look, I'm all about um, having vigorous debate. And enriching myself using public office to do so. Eight. I think it's it's good and it it gives people a a chance to be part of the process but at the end of the day it means nothing if we don't have a congress that will get things done and we don't have a white house that we can count on to be sane and sober and stable like uh, the one that's uh, right now the the white house right now i would say it's none of those things to be quite honest more so than when donald trump was in office you just hate him because he kicked your rather substantial rear end <laughs> I know, whatever, whatever. Women in children's hospitals in one of the birthing centers in Vancouver had 13 stillbirths in 24 hours. In Waterloo, Ontario, I have more reliable statistic. There were 86 stillbirths between January and July. Normally, it's only five or six stillbirths every year. So about one stillbirth every two months is the usual rate. To get 86 stillbirths in six months, that's highly unusual. But the most important confirmation that we have from the Waterloo, Ontario report was that all of the 86 stillbirths were vaccinated. Do you think that maybe this is why women who are pregnant are leaving their jobs or women who want to become pregnant are leaving their jobs rather than being subjected to the vaccine? Do you think maybe that could be part of it? I'm thinking that could be part of it. So let's move on here. Uh, Cheryl Atkinson is a a terrific reporter. She has a terrific website and uh, she uh, did a report on um, this, this, and I talked about this months ago, about this uh, small Colorado town that uh, there was a murder-suicide, a husband shot his wife and killed himself, and the, both of their deaths were attributed to COVID. Well, guess what? That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed, and it's become much bigger. It's become much bigger. Kristen Riley died of a gunshot wound to her head last year. Colorado officials actually list her cause of her death as COVID-19. Lucas Riley, uh, the father, uh, killed himself. They're still saying it's COVID. Coroner Brenda Bach in Grand County is where those deaths happened. Here is Cheryl Atkinson. About a bunch of, I got a bunch of sound bites from this report. Here's number one. Grand County, Colorado. Rural country 100 miles outside of Denver. Thanksgiving 2020, Lucas Riley shoots his wife Kristen in the head, then turns the gun on himself, committing suicide. They have alcohol and drugs in their system and a history of domestic troubles. Hi. Grand County Coroner Brenda Bach explains how the small town tragedy is exposing serious questions about the way COVID deaths are counted. I had a homicide, suicide the end of November. And the very next day it showed up on the state website as COVID deaths. I wonder why that, why is that? Why is that? Why would somebody do that? Maybe to inflate some numbers? And they were gunshot wounds. And I questioned that immediately um, because I had not even signed off the death certificates yet. Wow. Um, and the state was already 
reporting them as COVID deaths. My wife has a good friend at work, and her father died in a nursing home of natural causes. He had Alzheimer's. They attributed on his death certificate to COVID-19. He had never been tested. Here's some more from this report, this brilliant report from Cheryl Atkinson. Buck says somebody somewhere had apparently run the couple's names through a database showing they'd tested positive for COVID within 28 days of their death, then recorded them as COVID deaths, even though they died of gunshots. If we look at the death certificates for the murder-suicide case, what will it say about COVID? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I paid a forensic pathologist to do the autopsies on those two cases, and nowhere is COVID mentioned on those death certificates. When COVID first started, a couple months in, I was working at a car dealership, unfortunately. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, something I had to do to pay the bills. And I, I spoke to an administrator at a, at a hospital, nearby hospital, where I had gone by and driven by the emergency room just to, just to take some video to see if there's, a, you know, the lines of people to get in because of COVID and all that stuff. Uh, nobody there. And I said, well, how's the COVID crisis? She goes, what crisis? She goes, what crisis? Uh, here's uh, Atkinson. Um, apparently, there was a there was a it was a typo typo uh, with regard to COVID put on death certificates because there had been no COVID deaths within the geographic boundaries of Grand County in 2020. Yeah, strange. Bach was in a unique position to challenge the state's accounting. In many cities and counties, the numbers are too big, and the coroners would never know about discrepancies. Yep. Within a week of the murder suicide, two more Grand this is called a microcosm county deaths popped up on the state's COVID count. Um, but two of them were actually still alive, and yet they were... Yeah, they actually attributed COVID deaths to two people who were alive. Counting them, had I not <laughs> called them on wow. it and asked them who those were, oh. where were they from, all the information about it. And it's like, oh, well, that was a typo. They just got put in their body. Yeah, yeah, but this is just a small town, the coroner, you know. Honestly, seriously, there aren't other coroners involved. Oh, yeah, there are. It wasn't just happening in Grand County. Heads out here, feet are here. Dr. James Caruso is chief medical examiner and coroner for Denver. We remove the organs, we weigh them. I was um, told by some of my fellow coroners in, in the more rural counties in Colorado uh, that it was happening to them, that they knew of. Uh, if the Wizard of Oz were filmed today, the Wicked Witch of the East, when they bring the coroner out, he'd say, yeah, it's uh, not a house dropped on her. It's, uh, it was COVID. Issues where uh, they had signed out a death certificate with perhaps trauma. I know you're thinking of the song. Trauma involved, and they were being advised that it was being counted as a, a COVID-related death. When it comes to counting coronavirus deaths. Tell me what the story was of what you discovered early on, what was happening. Well, I think early on, um, the people signing the death certificates probably were doing it accurately, but at some level, maybe the state level, maybe the federal level, uh, there's a possibility that they were cross-referencing COVID tests mm -hmm. and that people who tested positive for COVID were listed as a COVID-related death, regardless of their true cause of death. And the previous CDC director, Robert Redfield, under Donald Trump, said that local authorities, municipalities, have a perverse incentive to diagnose COVID and put COVID on the death certificate. And that uh, perverse incentive would be lots and lots of money. Oh, yeah, the governor of Colorado is not doing a D-word for Richard about it. But months later, with a murder-suicide, there were still questions. Of COVID presumably means 
the death is thought to have been caused directly by COVID. Directly. Mm -hmm. And with COVID means? You had other underlying conditions. Okay. Yeah, like a bullet wound to the head. So the murder-suicide should not have been counted under either of those categories. Right, and that's what I complained about. And then when I did talk to the governor, he told me he didn't believe it was right, but... We'll take the money anyway. He wasn't going to have them remove it from the count. Boy, my boy, I tell you what, we are being uh, played in so many ways. Oh, yeah, uh, Cheryl Atkinson revealed that other states are doing this, too. Because all the other states were doing it that way, so we were going to yeah. also. Yeah. Colorado Governor Jared Polis declined our interview request. A spokesman said the governor agrees with Grand County Coroner Bach and was outraged that a murder-suicide is recorded as COVID-related. Yeah. In an effort to be abundantly clear, the governor adds, the state website explains that some numbers combine deaths that were a direct result of COVID and deaths that occurred when the individual had COVID-19. During our visit to Colorado... The By the way, in countries like Denmark, they test uh, glasses of Coca-Cola and they test positive for COVID. They test oranges and they test positive for COVID. State's total COVID-related death tab- About 50% of the people who go into hospitals in America with uh, things like uh, twisted ankles, they, uh, they get a COVID test and about 50% of them show up positive and they're treated for COVID and the hospital gets a lot of cha-ching. Separating out the deaths not directly caused by COVID cuts that number by about half with the rest dying among or with COVID, not because of Kind of blows the whole 600,000 people nationally dying of COVID thing, don't it? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Here's Cheryl Atkinson talking about inflated numbers. And where is Dr. Deborah Burks gone? The obvious implications are huge. If such a significant number of Colorado's COVID deaths weren't directly caused by COVID or even related at all in some cases, and if that bears out in other states, it means the national totals we've heard since the start of the pandemic could be largely misleading. And it's kind of strange that three to 400,000 people apparently died under Trump's administration. But, uh, you know, not a lot being said about all the people dying during the, uh, in the Biden administration. So I think in this country, we've taken a very liberal approach to mortality. And I think... The same time Colorado's coroners were challenging the death count, Dr. Deborah Burks of the White House Coronavirus Task Force was being asked about the same thing. Yeah. The intent is right now that those if someone dies with COVID-19, we are counting that as a COVID-19 death. Well, I guess they just kind of admitted it then, didn't she? Yeah, she just kind of admitted it. So you're being played. The death numbers are absolutely inflated. The fear porn merchants are winning. They shut down the dang country for uh, over a year. They made millions of people suffer. They're making your kid wear an idiotic mask that is causing he or she or it or whatever the hell you want to call it to breathe their own carbon dioxide all day long. You're being played. Some of the eyebrow-raising examples of deaths attributed to COVID include fatalities after traffic accidents, yeah. three Colorado nursing home deaths, even though the attending physicians said they weren't related to coronavirus, and a case in Nashville, Tennessee. In August 2020, Hal Short's wife was... This is like the whole voter fraud thing. It's not happening. There, There's no voter fraud out there. And it's it, that sort of stuff is misinformation and disinformation. Don to see COVID-19 named as the cause on her husband's death certificate yeah. after he died of an aggressive cancer. He tested negative. Wow, so nice the government could take your loved one's death away from them. For coronavirus three times. 
Only after the family complained was COVID-19 removed, a clerical error blamed. <laughs> it's a clerical error. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Here is uh, Cheryl Atkinson talking about uh, Fauci inflating numbers. Government experts like Dr. Anthony Fauci claim without evidence there are likely far more COVID deaths than documented, not yeah. fewer. Yeah. That the number is likely higher. I, I don't know exactly what percent's right. higher. God, will you just go back to the hollow tree and make cookies? But almost certainly it's higher. Adding to the confusion, widely cited sources from the New York Times to the Johns Hopkins coronavirus dashboard compile and report different numbers. Johns Hopkins notes that states are not consistent and may even retroactively change the numbers they report. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? There's a drug that could make the COVID vaccine obsolete, but the mainstream media is ignoring it. Take this jab and stick it. I ain't getting no vaccine. Joe Biden's stupid mandate, the dumbest thing that I've ever seen. Going on 50 years, and now he's trying to bring us down, playing on people's fears. I've seen a lot of folks in DC lie, I've seen a lot of pay to play. Where Democrats have had it up to here, and now I got the guts to say, Take your jab and stick it. I ain't taking this no more. It's worth fighting for It's my body, it's my choice Ain't that what the liberals say So take this jab and stick it This is still the USA Take this jab and stick it Hey, this is still the USA I don't know about you, but I am just done with the indignities. I am done with being ruled against by a ruling class in Washington, D.C. that I've been talking about for a very long time. They never have to sacrifice in D.C. They never have to give up anything in D.C. They never have to worry about having enough money to fill your damned car with gas before your next payday. They never have to do without anything. In the last couple of years, we have suffered so many indignities. We were told 15 days to stop the spread of a virus. Two years in, we have a little gnome who's still telling us, now the vaccine really isn't doing any good. You've got to get boosters, boosters, boosters. We have been told in the last year that we could not have a dissenting opinion. We could not have a dissenting opinion. The First Amendment is about defending offensive speech, that which is not popular. We've been told 
we can't question where the virus came from, even though there's a lab in Wuhan, China, where the virus came, where they were weaponizing viruses, and our NIH was funding it. We were told we couldn't question that uh, Donald Trump was colluding with Russia. We've been told we couldn't question Hillary Clinton and her business dealings and the Clinton Foundation getting hundreds of millions of dollars and then shutting down after the election. We were told November 4th we couldn't question the election. There were a million people in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th. And they had concerns and they wanted them to be heard before the election was certified. And they went to the Capitol and they were invited in by Capitol Hill police in a crowd of people that were infiltrated by Antifa and FBI informants and FBI agents. They were invited in. They were walked in. 1,600 hours of videotape. They are not allowing us to see it. They're claiming that there were hundreds of millions of dollars done to the interior of the Capitol, and yet they opened two hours later. We have been lied to about so many things, and Washington, D.C. just keeps getting richer and richer and bigger and fatter, and I know that you're sick and damn tired of it, and I'm sick and damn tired of it, and I hate to start the show like this, but I'm really pissed off to be quite honest this happy american grandma you figure out the acronym nancy pelosi is a shrill harpy from hell who could give a rat's behind about you and me she moved to washington dc has become insanely wealthy she's never built anything in her life she's never created anything in her life she went to washington dc and three years ago she and her husband were worth 120 million dollars now they're worth 300 million dollars we have a president of the united states who was supposedly the poorest member of the senate for decades he has three homes worth at least 10 million dollars in value we have an ex-president who's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. We have a socialist in the Senate, Bernie Sanders, who is a socialist, should be living in a kibbutz and eating gruel, and he's got four houses, and he rents another one. Meanwhile, you and I scrape and save our entire lives. If we're lucky, we pay off a house after 30 years, and when we retire, we might use that to survive. The President of the United States and the Democrat Party want to pay illegals $450,000 apiece for crossing our border illegally, for separating the children from the parents because the parents had to be put in a detention facility, and most of us will never have $450,000 saved up for retirement in our entire lives. And we will get crumbs when we do retire. And Washington, D.C. marches on as big and fat as ever. It never ends. They never have to do without. And they move to Washington, D.C., and they spend their entire lives telling us how to live ours. They spend their entire lives how much we can eat, how much this is going to cost, how much money they can confiscate. They run a multi-trillion dollar corporation on your money, and they act like it's theirs. I have said this for a while. The founders of our country who signed the Declaration of Independence, their concerns...
pale by comparison to the rampant, gigantic, wretched corruption of Washington, D.C. today. We are as bad as any banana republic, any third world country, and they want to lurch us even further left. They took church away from us. They took our businesses away from us. They took our schools away from us, our children's education away from us. Now they are subjecting us to unconstitutional mandates with an experimental vaccine. Have you had enough? Because I've had enough. So have you thought about term limits and wanting Congress to have term limits, both houses of Congress to have term limits? And I, and I have, and I've been saying it forever. I think uh, two terms for Senate, four or six, I should say, for House. It's both 12 years, and you can't become one or the other. You have to just serve two terms as a senator, six terms as a House of Representatives. Then you're done, and you can't lobby. That's what I say. But nothing seems to be done about it. And after watching some of uh, Nick Tumbleidi's videos... I've kind of gone, huh, wow. And he joins us on the phone. He is the executive director of U.S. Term Limits. Hello, my friend. Nice to uh, finally hook up with you here on the radio. Rob, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, one thing that I found to be really compelling about some of the testi- testimony that I've seen you do is that um, the Senate particularly, I believe a little bit more so with the Senate, um, but with both houses of Congress, once you get in, it's like being a tenured professor. You're not going anywhere. Why don't you explain that? It really is. And, you know, they have uh, worse turnover in Congress than in the Soviet Politburo. They have worse turnover in the Senate than in the House of Lords. Um, (laughs) Congress has basically become uh, America's most expensive retirement home. We have these senators who are in their 80s. They're sitting on committees to regulate Facebook, and they might not even know how to turn on a computer. Um, (laughs) Dianne Feinstein is 88. She got her first elected job 50 years ago. and uh, we've seen how that's turned out for our country. Uh, you know, the entire thing has just become a disaster. Uh, they have a 15% approval rating. They've got a 98% re-election rate. Uh, you tell me that system's not broken. And, and, you know, as you said, we've given these career politicians a chance. They have run the show for decades. And, uh, and it's a dumpster fire. We have nothing but debt, dysfunction. We've got corruption. We've got abuses to pow- of power. You see this uh, spending package that's being pushed now is the largest in history. They're just pouring gasoline on the inflation fire. And these career politicians have failed, and everybody knows it. But we're running out of time to change the system. So we want to take government back. We want to give power back to the people. And the way to do that, as you noted, term limits for Congress. I've been saying for uh, well over a decade that people in this country are sick and tired of uh, people going to Washington, D.C. and spending their entire lives telling us how to live ours. Um, Since I said that when I was working in Washington, D.C. on the radio, uh, things have not gotten any better. You say that uh, Congress has a 15 cent approval rating, 15 percent approval rating. why? How do these people keep getting elected? I mean, like, for instance, AOC, she got reelected and she chased Amazon out of Brooklyn. What's, how's, how's this happening? You know, it's the power of incumbency that controls in this situation. I'll go on Capitol Hill and, you know, I'll have these members of Congress smugly lecture me on how, if you don't like me, why don't you just vote me out? But meanwhile, those same members of Congress are sitting on a war chest of $15 million, $20 million dollars to make sure that nobody ever challenges them for those seats because elections are dominated by incumbents and incumbents have every advantage in the world. They've got name ID, they've got the special interest PAC money, they get 10 bucks, 
sent to their campaigns for every dollar that goes to a challenger. They've got free media. They write the campaign finance rules, and generally the person who writes the rules wins the game. And they can spend taxpayer money on their campaigns because they've got the franking privilege. So, you know, I'll get a mailer from my congressman. He says, congressional hurricane update. Here's all the stuff I'm doing to help you. Meanwhile, he doesn't mention on that mailer that that's, uh, that bill is uh, being paid by the U.S. taxpayers. So when you take on an incumbent, it's not a fair fight. Ninety percent of incumbents are either running unopposed or underopposed, meaning if they have an incumbent, uh, sorry, if they have an opponent, it's not a person who's running a serious campaign. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my elections to look like a Soviet grocery store. I want more candidates. I want more options. I want more principled people who are throwing their hats in the ring. And term limits is how you accomplish that, because when you have term limits, you are guaranteed an open seat on a regular basis. You are guaranteed to have that chance as a voter to change the system. And, you know, we, we live in a uh, representative republic. The voters are owed that chance uh, to change the system and to turn this government around. Because uh, right now, we're, it seems like we're reaching the point of no return. I think we are reaching a point of no return, and right now we have people in Congress who are ruling against the will of the American people. If you look at all of the, well, the SS Titanic is taking on water. Um, people are realizing uh, that the country is going to uh, go into hell in a handbasket, and uh, and they're tired of it. Uh, what what sort of limits are you talking? What with House versus Senate? What are we talking here for you? So we have a bill in Congress. Uh, it is HJR. 12 in the U.S. House, and it is SJR 3 in the U.S. Senate. That's sponsored by uh, Congressman Ralph Norman and Senator Ted Cruz, and it is for a three-term limit in the House and a two-term limit in the Senate. And okay. we've got about 92 members of Congress who have signed a pledge uh, to support that resolution and who have co-sponsored that. But I will tell you, Getting members of Congress to vote for term limits is like getting turkeys to vote for Thanksgiving. The odds are very low. <laughs> yeah. So we are, we are not putting our eggs in that congressional basket. We are actually asking uh, state legislatures to help us propose term limits for Congress and put pressure on the, uh, the federal level. This may sound a little off. Um, would, it, would a convention of states uh, address something like this? That's, that's what we are aiming for, okay. uh, because right. as you hit the nail on the head there. The Founding Fathers, they gave us another way to skin the cat under Article 5 of the Constitution. The state legislatures can create constitutional amendments with a convention. And that, in my opinion, that's really the way that we take our government back, because nobody in Washington can stop that. When you get 34 state legislatures to pass resolutions saying, we want term limits for Congress— then the states can bypass Washington. They can propose term limits for Congress on their own. So that is what we're working on at U.S. Term Limits. We're going to all the state legislatures, we're asking them to pass resolutions for a convention just to term limit Congress, no other topic. We have a pledge that state legislators can sign, state reps, state senators, candidates for those offices, saying, I will vote for the term limits convention. I will vote and co-sponsor resolution to term limit Congress. We've got nearly 700 state legislators on board all across America. I liken what's going on in Washington, D.C. and have for many years likened it to a tale of two cities. You've got the ruling class, you've got the underclass, 
<clears throat> you know, we are the proletariat, as it were. Uh, and and we also now have a, the added benefit of a uh, a political prison, a uh, literally uh, January sixth protesters in a uh, in in a Bastille essentially. And I like to say this is not going to end well for Democrats uh, or or just people in Washington who have been there forever. Uh, just explain real quick to the folks who've not seen Washington inside and how celebrated and glorious the lives of these individuals who were sent there to represent us. I remember my 40th birthday at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse uh, looking over Ronald Reagan International Airport and Tom Daschle walked in with his entourage and the entire place went silent and he was ushered over to his table and he was waited on hand and fist while I waited for my steak. Tell us about uh, what you see in Washington, D.C. Yeah, they they really operate like uh, kings and queens or dukes and duchesses. I I remember uh, when Harry Reid was there and he complained that the tunnels underneath the Capitol were too smelly because of all the tourists. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, corruption is everywhere. Arrogance is everywhere. Most of the time it goes unpunished. You know, we've got members of Congress involved in insider trading. Uh, their own portfolios are beating the market. How does that happen? Right? How does you Nancy Pelosi? How, how does Nancy how Pelosi does, go from 118 million dollars in value to over 300 million dollars her her, uh, her portfolio? I, I don't know. I don't know how people enter Congress in debt and leave with a 30 million dollar net worth if, if yeah. not for insider trading. And yeah. you know, you've got them living high on the hog. Members of Congress, um, my old Congresswoman Queen Corrine Brown from here in Florida. She embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars from her own charity. She was going on shopping sprees. She was sitting in a luxury box at the Beyonce concert. All with stolen funds. <laughs> she spent two years in prison, but she got out on a technicality. Uh, you know, there are so many others who use their campaign funds for personal expenses. We had one member of Congress who spent campaign money to fly his pet rabbit across the country in first class <laughs> on Air, Air Force One. <laughs> Wow. They're taking illegal donations in some cases. Just yesterday, we had another congressman who was indicted for allegedly doing that. It's a problem that we see in both parties, and it's really not going to stop unless we curb the power of these politicians. Because as we see at every level, the longer you allow somebody to keep power, the more likely they are to abuse it. Yeah, I was reading yesterday, uh, Joe Biden over the weekend, he was talking about that daycare center, and he said that for 36 years he was known as the poorest man in Congress. And he paid, in 2017, paid $2.7 million for a house, and he has two other homes uh, worth altogether a combined uh, over $10 million. Uh, and he did it on $170,000 a year. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? He, I guess he's got a hell of a, a money manager in Hunter Biden, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, Nick, I greatly appreciate you joining us uh, today. Uh, Nick Tombalides, uh, I appreciate the insight, and uh, and I would encourage people to go to termlimits.com. Uh, anything else you'd like to say as far as your uh, social media and whatnot, or just uh, go to termlimits.com to find out more? I, I would just say go to termlimits.com. A lot of people don't know this, but term limits for Congress is not just the most popular issue in the country, it's also the most bipartisan issue in the country. We've got 87% of Republicans, 80% of independents, 74% of Democrats on our side on this. So people are ready to see this happening. If you're sick of these decrepit, corrupt career politicians, these people who are enlarging the debt, they're kicking the can down the road, they refuse to live under the laws they force on the rest of us. If you are sick of all that, Join this movement. Go to termlimits.com and sign up today because we can get this done and we can get it done soon. All right, Nick. Nice talking to you, man. We'll have you on again sometime soon, okay? Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. 
It's going to do it for the show today, guys. I greatly appreciate you. It's growing by leaps and bounds. Thank you for joining me in the meantime, and please share with others. Just go to uh, NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast if you want all the digital platforms where it's available. And, of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. You can go there or just the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Write a five-star review. That would be awesome. Uh, God bless you guys. God bless our soldiers, both living and past Gold Star families, police and all first responders, and you, and you. Thank you very much. And until tomorrow, don't catch the stupid. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.